now that that story's blown, what else do we have? At least Dick was nice. He was so nice, Nick. Yes. You guys. Set me up, Patrick. Set me up. I didn't think it was going to work. Just really surprising. Strange things happen when you have a microphone in front of your face. I get it. Yep. Welcome to Holiday Happy Hour, presented by the Holiday Distillery in Weston, Missouri. I'm Jordan, and we're back. It's been a few weeks, and uh, we've been busy. We've been traveling, but we're back at Happy Hour. Feels good to be here. I've got some regulars here. You know who they are. Um, But we also have Nick Scott from Parisi is joining us today. Um, And you know, it's not Happy Hour, though, without a cocktail. And Nick made it pretty easy on Brendan today. So um, he didn't have to do any homework and come up with a cocktail because Nick did it for him. So Nick, welcome to happy hour. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. We're glad you're here and you even brought drinks. I mean, maybe you should come yeah, this is, hang out more often. Yeah. I'm really glad it's good because it would have been funny to have to like fake it. Like, oh, yeah, nice job. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm also glad you like yeah. it. <laughs> All right. I haven't had a drink yet. I'm going to take a sip and then I want you to tell us what we're drinking. All right. It's outstanding. I mean, that's a very good flavor. Yeah, I like that a lot. Wow. We've never had a guest bring a cocktail before. I know. This is a first. first We should just make this a regular thing. You have to bring a cocktail to come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just book me quarterly. I'll be here. I like it, yeah. (laughs) Get it on the calendar. I like this. I have a book with about 30 coffee-based cocktail recipes in it. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit later about coffee and cocktails because this is incredible, and I don't think they get enough credit. So, What is this that we're sipping on? What would you whip up? All right, so uh, we'll start with uh, this is the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond uh, bourbon in here. Nice. So what this is is a cold fashion. So I made a cold brew coffee with uh, Parisi's bourbon barrel-aged Mexican Oaxacan coffee, which is aged in your holiday bourbon barrel. And... uh, I also have some chocolate bitters, some orange bitters, and some old-fashioned bitters, and then a house-made maple simple syrup. Oh, man. Wow. That's a great flavor combination. Yeah, and I think the chocolate comes through, and the maple, too, with that hint of sweetness, that's that's excellent. A cold fashion. I see what you did there, Nick. (laughs) Great name goes a long way, right? This is really good. I mean, The the Mexico has a base natural flavor, um, very similar to a Snickers bar. It's very chocolatey. It's got some caramel, a little bit of nut, nougaty. Just kind of a round, really bold body. Age it in that barrel. It's going to pull up all those oaks and that carameliness. It's going to get a little bit of that charness to it, which yeah. really plays well with the roasting process. And then put in the Kyoto, uh, which is a Japanese uh, cold brew tower. Uh, it's brewed at a higher concentration level. So I'm using a concentrate in this instead of a, what we would call an RTD or ready-to-drink mm-hmm. version. So it's a little more intense. It comes through. That chocolate bitters kind of pronounces that chocolate in the coffee and pairs well. So that's... Uh, How long do the beans sit in the barrel? Um, well, that's that's a good question. I like to do a minimum of 15 days. Um, okay. I find that around 30 to 32 days, they no longer pull any uh, flavor or aromas off the barrel. 
So with the barrel that we have, I actually hydrate it uh, once a quarter with a um, humidifier that I fill the container with bourbon. Okay. And I put it in there and let it sit over the weekend. That's awesome. And it seals all back up. It's heavily, uh, super heavily smelling afterwards. And then twice a week while coffee's in there, we spray it with bourbon. So the wood is constantly pulling that in. And it's in a similar situation to a rickhouse. It's in our green coffee storeroom, which is, uh, it does fluctuate in temperature, but it's not super fluctuating. But it does cause some, a little bit of that uh, evaporation and cool and in the mornings it's cool in there and the afternoon it's a little warmer and you know it's been hot so it was real hot in there for a while so that kind of affects the same process but the coffee itself the green coffee can only take so much extra moisture on gotcha so once it hits kind of hits a saturation point so you throw it in there green ahead of roasting mm-hmm. and all that and then you roast afterwards correct that's right yeah. and you reuse the barrel yep yep okay. yeah the barrel that we're using right now um we got at the beginning of this year from you guys. Wow. So it, it's about, they last really well for about 12 months. I've done a lot better job this year of taking care of this barrel. So we could probably get more time out of it. But uh, being in a drier environment for the coffee's sake, our green coffee storage, it dries that barrel out really quickly. So we are, mm-hmm. I'm constantly having to be on top of it. Sure. So, but I have a crew, um, specifically one of our, other roasters and Q graders, she takes care of it when I'm not there because I'm not in our roasting facility. So that's, that's awesome. Wild. Yeah, yeah, super cool. Also, uh, we know people. If you need another one, just let us know. I, I will. Maybe a soft red wheat barrel or a cave collection barrel. I mean, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, could be all sorts of different. I would love to do whatever you guys want to do. I think we should play with a couple of those. That would be cave collection is a different twist. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. That could be yeah. super neat. That's exciting. I mean, and that's something we could sit down and show you what we're playing with, which, by the way, no one knows. It's all very top secret, the cave collection. I'll sign an NDA. It is. (laughs) That'd be cool because some of those, what we're seeing on those finishing kind of barrel styles, like the way that it quickly tweaks the overall kind of just finish on that flavor profile, I'd be very curious to see what that did to coffee Mm -hmm. in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been decided. So many things. Yeah. Let's, let's turn this off, Brandon. Let's go do it right now. Yeah. yeah. We have coffee to age. Yeah. Um, well, that's very interesting. I guess I never realized that um, the process of aging coffee beans is kind of similar to aging some bourbon. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot that well, goes into it. Throwing them in green. I think a lot of people just picture coffee beans being coffee beans. And yeah. It's neat. So, so, like, when you fill that barrel with green Green beans. <laughs> um, how many pounds are you putting in there? Like, how's that work? Do you fill it three quarter way, halfway? I actually don't uh, let the coffee beans contact the barrel. Oh, um, I use a perforated tube that you would see in like uh, big filtration systems or in exhaust systems. Yeah, and uh, we built we bolted little legs on them so they stand in there so they're essentially suspended in nice. the barrel. Interesting. And uh, we can put four batches in at a time. I start with eighteen pounds of coffee, okay. green coffee. Um, through that, like, we'll say on the the max end 30, they'll gain about three quarter pound of moisture from the barrel. Wow. Okay. Most of the time. Even so, not in contact. That's yeah, wild. Yeah. 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 And it helps that we are, you know, once or twice a week, we're spraying bourbon right directly into the barrel mm-hmm. on the wood, on the coffee. And then it goes into the roaster and it's a lighter roast coffee because if we go too deep in the roast, it will actually cook all away that smell that you're getting off of it. And it will kind of just taste like a little funky Mexico. We don't we don't mm. want that. Yeah. The point is to smell it, 
get a, maybe a little bit of a flavor in the coffee, but overall you're just drinking really nice coffee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, during the roast you lose about 15, 12 to 15% of your volume after it's roasted. So ends up with about 16 pounds. Okay. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. No idea. I didn't either. And speaking of roasting, I, I know nothing about roasting coffee beans. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And I kind of yeah. feel like you and Kyle have that in common as far as like the process of whether it's aging or roasting and taking something into the process to turn it in to a delicious beverage. So you're saying people don't know what we do. Right. Yep. Yeah. No clue. <laughs> okay. Um, that's I mean, why we're masters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, they ask right. us the questions. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's and tell right. us how you got into doing what you're doing. Yeah. Too. Just yeah. fascinated by the whole thing. Why don't I do a brief of where I started to here and then we'll get into the roast. You that know, cool? that was the plan and we just like yeah, got really geeked it. out on yeah, the green beans. Excited. So yeah, let's green talk beans. about Parisi like, and let's talk about your background. Yeah, like myself and my, my mentor, uh, Robin Seitz is his name. He works for Parisi as well. Uh, he he and I will talk coffee to anybody that will listen. So uh, there's that. We're in. We're in. <laughs> yeah. So um, history for me, uh, see, been 2013. I was in college. I just went to a local coffee shop in my hometown. And uh, I'd asked the, I made good friends with the owners. My parents made good friends with the owners. And I asked him one time, I was like, hey, you think I could have a job? And he was like, now you're my friend, man. I don't, I don't want to put that weirdness in it. Then a few months later, he called me. He was like, Hey man, I'm desperate. You want to come in and interview? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I ended up working there and, uh, I worked there for two years. And while I was working there, they, we, he was really into not fine beer and high, high end beer. So after working there for a while, I took that bar management over, took all the spirits over, um, put on a bunch of events, things like that. And I was headed in that direction. I was like, this is what I want to do. And then I moved out of Topeka, moved to Lawrence, uh, spent a year out of the coffee industry. And then I found myself stumbling right back into it. And I was like, wow, I was going after a beer and here I am back in coffee. And that I worked for a small company in Lawrence called Alchemy, um, cold brew company. Well, that's all we did pretty much was cold brew. And we had a lot of accounts around Lawrence, around KC, and I convinced the owner, and he was already kind of on his way there, but I was like, let's do it, man. We bought a, a roaster, we went and learned to roast together, and then we roasted all of our coffee and just basically brought our process vertical into the business so we weren't relying on other people. And uh, that's where I learned to roast. That's where I learned a lot about the coffee business, the backside of it, because a lot of people don't understand that behind baristas, that's where the coffee world really is, like... 80% probably. And, you know, there's coffee professionals out there. I will say it's, it's more than that because it is. <laughs> the, green, the green coffee world is a whole different beast. Um, fun fact, it's like this, depending on the year, it's the second or third largest trade commodity in the world. Wow. wow. Hmm. Typically, mostly behind oil. So wow. coffee is a huge yeah. industry. <laughs> I believe it. I yeah. mean, we all need it. Whenever I wake up in the morning, I'm like... That's what I, I mean, want. There's so many road trips that Joe fills up the truck and we go get our coffee. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's the thing. I was going to tell that story like as a quick, uh, <laughs> quick little slice in here. Uh, we travel a lot. Uh, and when we're road tripping, it's always been my thing. I've completely corrupted Kyle at this point. <laughs> We've gotten this guy, Joe, that he usually drives. He never stops. If he stops, it's at a gas station. So I call it dumpster coffee. <laughs> uh, basically, everywhere we stop, we go get whatever that coffee is. I don't care how it looks. Uh, 
almost like the worse, the better. And, and, and like if they have the old like glass coffee things from like oh, yeah. the 70s that are still crusted mm-hmm. from then, you know, you get a cup, you get some beef jerky and you go on mm-hmm. your way. But it's just it's become this funny thing of like how bad can coffee get? Or like you come across one, it's like, oh, man, that was actually yeah. pretty good for a gas yeah. station. So it's funny because you go from that to like what you're doing is just such a whole different level of, you know, flavor and, and craft. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well, it's kind of like when you have a cocktail that's like, eh, you know, like overly sweet or just like straight sugar juice and a spirit that maybe isn't so premium. And then you have a good cocktail. It's like, wow, yeah, this is really working. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to go back to your story again, but real quick question. Would you drink dumpster coffee? Do you drink dumpster coffee? Um, actually, yes, I do. Okay. There's okay. two kind of two trains of thought there. Um, anytime I fly, yeah. Uh, oh, unfortunately, yeah. here in, at MCI, we don't have a Starbucks anymore. Um, darn. Yeah. But we do have a Precy, and yeah. I get my coffee there. But uh, tri- typically, when I fly, I usually go to a Starbucks and I get a vanilla latte, small one. The reason being is Starbucks. If it weren't for Starbucks where specialty coffee is today, would not be there. Um, Starbucks started off, Pete's was right there behind them in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, they really set the stage for specialty coffee to bloom and grow. So I still go there just to say, you know, tip yeah, of the cap, thank you. Nice. Your, your product has gotten everybody to where they are, and most of us have grown up past that, but... Uh, they're, they're still around for a reason. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, the other train of thought is when I go on any vacation, I like to see – I breakfast food is my favorite category of food, so I like to seek out like the grungiest hole-in-wall diner I can find. Mm-hmm. And if I'm handed a coffee mug that's coffee-stained, I know I'm in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that's the coffee. Like I will drink that coffee. My wife sometimes – she's like, why do you – like I don't – don't understand necessarily (laughs) she's like you make really good coffee and it's like there's just something about it it's like you know like pugs are so ugly they're cute (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so it's so bad it's like good for me it's weird that's got to mean something yeah my coffee yeah Yeah, so i mean and uh, can i make a coffee like that at home absolutely and (laughs) if you watch me do it you're like oh my gosh that is the most weird process i've ever seen coffee (laughs) but i can make coffee super thick and super dark and (laughs) chewy and you're like, it's just bitter and charcoal, and it's like, that's the point. Good. I can do it, but I don't like to drink that every day. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. equal opportunity on the yeah. coffee side then. My, my wife is spoiled. Uh, we have an Ethiopia Cup of Excellence winner, and uh, we've been drinking that at my house for two years. And I changed it on her recently, and uh, she did know. She was like, the coffee's different. And I was like, you're you're drinking like one of the best coffees produced in the world wow. <laughs> every day. So what a way to wake up. Yeah. yeah. So and uh, I've been making her some cold brews. So she, you know, she's a teacher. She makes her coffee and gets out the door. So mm-hmm. she's got to be to school on time. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's there's no shortage of fantastic coffee in my house. So. That's awesome. How do you make your coffee at home? Because I know in the cafe, nothing is brewed. Correct. Um, in the cafe, no, we do we do brewed coffee. Oh, like you do. Standard okay. brewed coffee. Yeah. Um, we have a couple. Uh, core coffees that we constantly use and then we rotate through some of our other cores but uh at home i don't have a coffee maker uh like a plug-in one i make all my stuff as a pour over typically a v60 which is a japanese made by hario it's a japanese company um when i'm making a lot of coffee i'll get out my chemex which is a very classic uh 
way of making coffee pour overs. It's mm. it presents a much different body to the V60. V60s are easy to mess up. You can over extract them or make them kind of murky. With the Chemex, they're a little more forgiving, even though they're similar shape, and they have present more of a tea-like body, so it's a little cleaner coffee okay. overall. And the filters, the way they're made, is a little different as well. Um, another way that I make coffee at home is uh, a mocha pot. Or a What's a mocha pot? I should know that. It's a, an Italian invention. Uh, I think it was, somebody can probably, uh, somebody will correct me, but I think it was <laughs> in the 30s in Italy. Uh, Baletti made it, and it was named after mocha, um, the city of Mocha, so because it's that's where coffee came from. Is first Ethiopia, and then Yemen was the next hmm. supposed origin in the history of coffee. So it's named after that, and uh, it's a very common way to make coffee uh, in Italy, and a lot of Latin countries use it. So uh, Cubano coffees, that's a lot of those are made with that. A lot of uh, those romantic language countries use it. Uh, hmm. It's becoming, I think, more and more popular here in the States. But we, our founders, they grew up drinking mocha pot coffee with their grandma. That was oh. how they made coffee in their house. So it's part of our, our logo. Oh, if you see yeah. There. Okay. Yeah, so it's a little a little mocha pot. and uh, But yeah, a little chamber on the bottom with hot water. You fill your uh, basket with coffee, and then you screw on the top and bring it to a boil. And it pushes the hot water basically like an espresso machine up through. It's not as thick or as creamy as an espresso, but it's a similar consistency. It's the closest thing you can get, I think, to espresso without it being actual espresso. Okay. Yeah, and espresso, just for clarification, is an extraction process, not a type of coffee. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Good enough, well, we yeah. can get into that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, like I get the mocha pot at home. I've only used it once, and I was so confused by it, and now I need to go back to it. And yeah. apparently use it more often. Especially with yeah, your science interests. I can see I mean, you like really getting into if you had the time. You it, know? Yeah. I just didn't know exactly the right way to do it, what bean you use. I didn't know anything about it. So that's the yeah. fun thing is you can use any coffee you want. It's just understanding the process a little better and then knowing how to manipulate either your grind or how your your dose or your volume of coffee you're using. And uh so like Darker roasts, they're more, more voluminous when you grind them. Uh, typically, they're going to broken down more from the roasting process, so you want it a little coarser. Hmm. Lighter roasts, you can go a little finer, you go a little less. You know, just different different things you can manipulate. And, uh, wow. you know, maybe that's another super nerdy podcast <laughs> down the road. Like no, I think it's, it's neat because all these things you're talking about, it ties into, it's connecting my brain on how you're, your storefronts, your coffee shops look like everything seems so high end and almost like uh, mixology and style, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, bars and some of them. Um, and it's all those different pieces of the craft at that high of a level that makes it all stand out. I mean, it's love. I love everything you guys are doing. I mean, so many cool things visually, uh, the different tastes, making cocktails with coffee and having that many through your uh, cocktail Rolodex, I think is interesting, but, uh, yeah. That's wild, man. I yeah. Mean, I forgot we should have brought out our fancy coffee maker. The oh, Belgian yeah. cipher. That is fun. Is that, is that, you have a siphon? Yeah, the Belgian cipher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We uh we filmed a video with it with for Five Farms. Uh we got it one time and we started playing with it. It was the most intriguing, fascinating. Kyle would love it because it's super nerdy, sciencey thing. We basically got it just to make a video. It's yeah. one of the coolest <laughs> is, it here? is it though. here? No, it's at our other office back in uh, the distillery. It's uh, neat. Yeah. I mean you can pull up the video and show uh, it. That's great. But it's it's super cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have no idea. That was what one of the. Yeah, like, we'll watch the video after. Brendan <laughs> came in my office and was like, "You have to see this thing." And like, <laughs> it was after so was cool. like, Yes, we need that immediately, <laughs> just for one video. And it yeah. Was totally worth it. Yeah. Oh my god. It's killer. It, it is. It is. I couldn't believe how it worked. It was just the most fascinating thing. Like you can make coffee that way, but it was it was a really cool way of doing it. So that's why it's like so fascinating because there's so many different ways people make coffee across the world. Like, and you know, obviously this came from Belgium, yeah. and so yeah. That's why yeah. I was telling Kyle I either have a pour over the the Chemex. Mm-hmm. The, I either do that, but I haven't done that in a while because I'm mainly doing Americanos like espresso stuff at home, and I just I love it, you know. And, that's where I'm using. I use a lot of uh, these holiday aged beans. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of that, and I think Ethiopia is the other one I have mm-hmm. at home, which is delicious. But the other thing I want to mention too, going back to our uh, the bourbon barrel aged beans that you're doing, one of my favorite things to do with that is I've got a uh, a chili coffee barbecue rub, and I use those beans and grind it super fine. And add with chili, some brown sugar, some other things to rub down a whole pork butt and smoke it or whatever. It's insane. That it's sounds one of the great. Best rubs ever. So I'll have to uh, sling that your way. So you have that and add it to your recipes. I mean, yes. how many uses for coffee? I, I just mean, it's been learning so much amazing. today. That's oh, awesome. That's why it's the uh, number two traded commodity in the world, <laughs> right? which we should go back to then <laughs> the rest of well, the story. Isn't it yeah. the most consumed <laughs> beverage in the world, too? It was that and tea. I know that, I think I think too. coffee was one. Yeah. I believe tea is number one. Is it? Uh, okay. Due to the cultural uh, no-nos mm-hmm. from other countries that's around fair. the world. Yeah. Uh, coffee is not allowed in certain countries and cultures, so tea is number one, and coffee, I believe, is right behind it, so... And I think wow. I saw something that like coffee was also like one of the highest ranked and most popular aromas in the world too. I, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Nothing better than walking by a fresh pot of coffee. Surprisingly, uh, the flavor compounds in coffee outnumber any other beverage, including wine. Mm-hmm. So it is, if you are a Q grader, which is the equivalent to a sommelier, um, you have a fantastic palate and at least a very discerning and decisive palette. So that's neat. I am not a Q grader. I will I mean, be though by next it year. It sounds like you're nice. get pretty close though. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. But like Kyle said, back to the, back to the story. Back to the story. <laughs> yes. Um, so the story. Yeah. So we leave off. I, uh, the cafe I grew up in and yep. coming yes. back to uh, alchemy. Yeah. And I was the head roaster there or the only roaster. I did all the work there um, because Ben the owner ran the business and the cafes, and I did the roasting and all that stuff. But uh, one summer, my mentor, Robin, who was our account manager at the cafe I started in, he reached out and was like, hey, I got a job opening. Are you interested? And I was like, yes, sir. I'll see you soon. And that was five, a little over five years ago, and I've been with Parisi ever since. Came on as an apprentice roaster, worked my way up to head roaster. Uh, we went from our old facility in the Crossroads. Mm-hmm where we were, you know, roasting under a million pounds of coffee a year, well under. And uh, we built out a purpose-built facility to grow and grow, and we grew right into it super quick. And uh, I've kind of went through the manufacturing side of that, and now I'm our head roaster and lead product developer on our marketing team. So that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, kind of glossed over four years of crazy, crazy growth. <laughs> but uh it's 
I mean, you guys have been in your bottling plant. You know how manufacturing works, though. Oh, we, yeah. It's automated. We do have what I do, um, the manual, very artisanal, like roasting. But our big roasters, our high-volume stuff, it's all automatic. We program a schedule. We hit go, and we babysit it and pull samples and make sure that, you know, our QAQC team's doing their job and our pack line, all of it, all the way. Goes in the system. Like your coffee comes out as a full package at the end. So... And we do still Parisi brand, though, is still all hand-packed, hand-labeled, hand-dated. So, See, and that's yeah. what's fun, too. That's another similarity to what we do. And the, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got that more automated, high-volume goods, whether it's 360 vodka or something going down the line at a high pace. And then we've got the, you know, a, a hand-bottling line for, yeah. you know, like doing a Ben Holiday one-barrel or something like that. It is it is very neat. It's just that, that top level of craft and uh, the marketing that makes it all happen, Kyle. Marketing, yeah. Kyle's marketing. <laughs> I, I wanted to go back to product development. <laughs> Kyle finally made it to marketing too, and he's I'm super not, happy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not marketing. I'm yeah, not admit to that. No, it's not true. Uh, product development that fascinates me. So, like, how how many new products, or how many different? How often do you change things throughout the year? What's that process look like for you? You know, if you're coming up with a new, you have a new bean, or you have a new roast style, you want to try. Like, what's that look like? So, anything that's under our Precy branded house um, that's coming on new is kind of something that I'm either bringing to the table or going to eventually oversee. So that includes like merchandise. Um, I view our cafes as a whole, as a product that we're serving to the customers. So I'm constantly working with them and the managers and our ops manager for that. Um, but as far as your specific question, we do have a what we call a promotional calendar, which is these are the coffees that we're looking at buying or have bought. This is when we want to kind of release them. Um, starting in 24, we're going to be introducing uh, the quarterly seasonal. So we'll have a winter, spring, summer, mm, fall nice. blends. Cool. Um, we have our drink promotions. So like right now, you know, it's pumpkin spice season. So we got some pumpkin stuff. We got some more elevated drinks as well. Holiday winter comes around. You kind of have a holiday specific and then more winter that runs through January, February. Same thing with spring, summer, all that cool stuff. Um, we don't put out a lot of new blends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the, the blends live in, we'll live in that more of that uh, seasonal. Okay. Uh, we are a espresso focused company. So like we have, I have several espresso blends that I've built mm-hmm. that we have on the calendar. Um, I do that in congruence with my mentor, Robin Seitz. He's our green coffee buyer and our VP of partnership. So he does all of our green coffee buying. Okay. He's a former Q grader. So a lot of those decisions are made by us and then we work with the marketing and the VP of sales and then we start pushing that stuff out. Um, but we focus a lot more on single origins as well. Now we kind of got away from it before I came to the company and then I've pushed us to get back and Robin was down to do it. So we did it. Uh, so we're, we're trying to release around, I don't know, eight to 10 new products a year that are packaged coffee. And then we are revamping our merch selection because we went through kind of a weird, stage of just having kind of a hodgepodge stuff so we're focusing more on like building it around this brand building we have a secondary brand as well if you ever heard of mother earth coffee Mm. oh yeah yeah that's um we own that company as well so uh we're building a whole merch plan around that same with the coffee releases one of the things that we did recently for that brand and for us as a whole is we bought a whole lot of coffee uh, from make sure i'm La Mujer is the co-op, and it's a women-owned and women-ran 
a co-op in Guatemala. So that's a big deal. That's something that uh, we were asked about. And, you know, we Robin went out and sought it out and we found it. And the mm-hmm. coffee is fantastic. That's awesome. So we've been using that. And uh, we have a couple other coffees from a near nearby co-op that it's going to hopefully come out later this year from the La Labor uh, farm. Uh, one is a, a red Bourbon, which is a type of coffee. And then hopefully later, in, early in 2024, we're going to release a geisha varietal. And if you've ever drank any coffee at a high level and you hear the word geisha, that comes with a lot of... Um, pretentiousness if you will. <laughs> um, geishas are very sought after and they kind of just that name garners them a higher price a higher sought like people are seeking them and mm-hmm. they're going to go after it so that coffee is going to come out we're going to do kind of a big splash with that one eventually but wow yeah but that that's everything and i mean we got yeah. cold brew coming out in cans we're going to hopefully here we're going to be doing cold brew in a couple other ways like i'm overseeing a lot of that stuff so well, the Just, cold brew you brought today was fantastic. Yeah, it, it thank you. It's yeah. it's good. I like I do make cold brew with a bunch of our different coffees all the time just so we have it. I mean, I have baristas coming in. I have other coffee people in our building. I have the marketing team. I have the sales team. It's like, hey, try this, try this, you know. And I I find that if you are working in coffee and you can try different types of coffee and different extraction methods even though you don't probably realize it, especially like salespeople who are constantly out, never in the office, blah, 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 blah. They seem to stay a little more stoked. They seem, mm-hmm. they come in, they're like, got anything new? And uh, so our sales team's pretty small, so I get to interact with them a lot more because they are so small and they have to come and check in and they have meetings and stuff. So I do like to give them something to like try. And That's awesome. For me, I, it just builds my palette and my repertoire of what I know I can do, so. That sounds a lot like what Brendan will do whenever we are looking for new cocktails and we call it Test Kitchen. We're always trying to, you know, further our palates. We're very experienced, if I do say so. But, um, but Brendan, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. So it really is, It's there's a lot of parallels here that's very, very cool. More than I even imagined. One thing uh, that's not a parallel, though. I noticed you had no garnish on your, co- your cocktail. <laughs> and Brendan noticed it, too. And he... Said he had opinions. I'm guessing that Brendan is a horrible garnish snob of some oh, sort. No, just judging by his face is. right no. now. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> so we were talking real quickly before we started recording about garnishes, and Nick, you talked about like you don't like to garnish most of your cocktails, and I said we were talking about. I think there's a time and place for a garnish. So like the reason an old fashioned has an orange peel is because you want those oils and those aromatics on those nose and it changes that flavor completely. So there's a time and place on cocktails to put a garnish where you want to change that nose. Like I've gone to cocktail bars where I've gotten like a bouquet of like mint. Like you just get this full on like mint all over the top and you're like, what the hell is this? But when you go to drink it, your nose goes so far into it and you just get this huge mint flavor and it changes the flavor of that cocktail completely. So there is a time and place where garnishes really do help the cocktail and change that flavor of a cocktail. That's all I was just saying. No, about I that. definitely like, agree with that. Yeah. I think yeah. Nick would agree too, because he yeah. had said there is a time and a place. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this in a classic old fashioned, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want that orange and mm-hmm. I want them same. to slap the rim with it as hard as they can. <laughs> That's right. But you could also go to a place. You know, let's call it a different uh, level of place. That mm-hmm. if they give you an old fashioned where they mash up an orange oh, in it God, no. and put one of those Man. plastic cherries oh, in no. it, like the risk of drinking with me. <laughs> I'm gonna say this is a fun risk, but 
If I'm at a place where I'm having that, there's a good chance that someone at the table is going to get that winged at their head, uh-huh. and you just start having fun with it, because that's just putting trash at a cocktail. Yeah. It can be very bad, but also, agree, yeah. very good. Yeah, there's the there's level. people that just garnish it just because, <laughs> like, oh, it looks pretty, or it's like, oh, this is fun. It's like, you got to be smart about it, and like, you, there's a reason for doing the right garnish in the right place. Okay, because right before this <laughs> podcast, I said, "Oh, garnishes are pretty." And like, think about yeah, why it really matters. And I think that's right. that's the difference. Like when you go to a, a very high end bar versus like just kind of your run of the mill bar. You know, they're you know the run of the mill one's just going to garnish it just because it looks cool or whatever. Somewhere where you go high end, like there's a very meaningful reason they're putting that garnish on that cocktail because it's craft and it has yes yes yeah. makes yep. sense. Garnishes can be a crutch mm-hmm. for some places. Yeah. And uh, like for this, I don't, what I want to fo- for you to focus on when you're drinking it is the coffee flavor. Yeah. And what would and you have even, I mean, I don't even know what you would have garnished. A lemon. Because it's perfect on its own. Maybe maybe Rinders a lemon. this whole coffee, lemonade kick that's so, on the So that's what I was going to bring up. Like, it's I'm not, the not down with it, dude. So, no. That was, <laughs> was going to bring answer. this. If you want to yeah. crack a little lemon peel over an espresso, I'm in. You the, yeah, that's, what, that's the whole, juice, yeah. Why would you mix acid with acid? Just someone explain that to me. The only thing that I would probably garnish this with is probably like an armorina cherry or something. Okay. Very minimal. Maybe like two. No lemon. Get your answer, Brandon. Basically, uh, he said he doesn't like the lemons. No, I mean, coffee and lemon. Brandon's wrong. Coffee and lemons, you know, is a classic, you know, combination. Like like you talked about, like cracking a lemon over an espresso. Yeah. But like. And I was going to ask Nick about this, like, so the coffee lemonade things, like, uh, became a thing, I feel like, this summer, and, like, some of these weird trends, like, do you like any of those, or is there anything, like, you've had, you're, like, that's so out of this world, and you're, like, oh, that's delicious. It's it's funny you ask that. Um, so, like beer, they're referred to as coffee shandies. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I worked at Alchemy in Lawrence, I actually created our coffee shandy about seven years ago. So... They've been around a longer, yeah. but they came very popular in the past couple of years. We at Parisi, we have a mm-hmm. coffee shandy that we serve in our cafes. And um, next time I hopefully come see you guys, I'll bring you a gallon of it. Okay. Um, it's actually quite <laughs> nice. I was say, I like it. Yeah, it's quite nice. Uh, we do make ours with a vanilla simple extract as well. So it does bring a little sweetness to counteract that citric acid that mm-hmm. comes with the lemonade. Um, but we use our Bravissimo mm-hmm. as our coffee for our cold brew. And, uh, it's it all all in all it becomes very balanced a little bit on the sweeter side, mm-hmm. but the lemon can be off putting to the customer down the road. So we try to keep it a little tame. Okay, but yeah, it's it's really nice. And the funny thing I find about it is I actually use it when I'm doing a lot of analysis on coffees in the cupping room to cleanse my palate. I'll drink that and it like totally hmm. resets my palate because uh, of the the sweetness and the the citric acid and the coffee. It's just like it's like drinking some carbonated water basically it's very odd that it does that yeah but yeah i'll have to bring some for you yeah. all. so is it traditional to use cold brew on that then is that what i mean is that what's going on tiktok brendan like what's <laughs> on the tiktok brendan i think that uh, that sounds most, a lot better to me yeah most yeah, of them i think good. on the market yeah. are going to be made with a cold brew or if you're going to do it like you know in front of the customer they're going to make a flash brew pour over which is a pour over brewed over mm-hmm. ice and it's so it's being chilled as it's being brewed, and then you add that lemonade or your lemon mixture to that mm-hmm. and serve that, which I have done. Um, I do a lot of tonics type stuff in the summertime, 
mm. and cola based. So mm-hmm. like coffee and cola, if you've never had that, it's really, really good. Yeah. Coffee I was going to say so the coffee tonic or coffee club soda is like another one I've seen lately. A lot of um, the, we can get an espresso martinis, the espresso oh. martini with Parmesan cheese oh my on top. Gosh, whenever you guys oh, sent boy. me that picture, I was like, that is disgusting. It was, so That's we, we made it and it was, Actually, amazingly delicious. I was, I was so like, shocked. All right, man, I get it. You got me with the lemon thing. I just lost, but I'm not going along with that shit. Mm-hmm. That is. I, I'll make it for you one time. I think we're going to potentially do it for Halloween. Oh, God. Um, Denied. Fire. No, <laughs> not happening. It, 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 once you try it, like it makes perfect sense. Like that, the Parmesan cheese of that kind of like that salty kind of just richness, like plays with the coffee really, really well. It, our ancestors do not approve. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, I'm on board. Yeah. On this, but boy. You're on board? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, there's honestly, if it's like a nice, cool fall day mm-hmm. and you got like, you know, it's morning time, get your charcuterie board out. <laughs> cup of coffee. Oh, nice. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, we're an Italian company, so we have a bunch of Italian imported cheese, a bunch of Italian dry aged imported meats. Fair. So, I mean, it kind of yes. goes, kind of goes hand in. I mean, I think that's pretty much all that the I owners partake in, you know? Eat. A chunk of Parmesan oh, yeah. and then have some coffee. <laughs> I don't want it on top of it. I'm going to have a hard just, time with this. I'll try it. Let's just try it. And I, you'll be surprised because everyone thought it was crazy. And then we made it up one day just to, to test it to see if it actually worked. And we were all very surprised. It tasted really good. I'm down. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Next time. Let's do a collaboration. Next we need co, uh, some co-cocktails between yeah. you two and get some real weird shit going on and have some fun with it. Oh, we got some weird shit on the new menu. Some don't worry. I would I would love to get, you know, a day with Brendan just I making was, drinks. Honestly, yeah. Oh, you guys could geek out. Oh, yeah. Really 100%. crazy stuff, I'm sure. I could probably learn a lot. So. <laughs> Both of you could. Well, <sighs> since Brendan mentioned the espresso martini, that kind of leads into something else I wanted to talk about. Coffee and cocktails. Mm-hmm. So coffee, My things, yeah, the best things. things. It Chances are if we're drinking bourbon, at least one, two, three, four, all of us are drinking coffee on the side. Mm-hmm. That's something we typically do around here, but... You know, you have people that are like, let's meet for coffee or let's meet for a drink. Like there's that um, that social commonality when it comes to those two beverages. But what happens when you marry those two? I mean, that's that's a match made right there. And so something that I wanted to talk about, as Brendan said, the espresso martini. Does anybody know where that came from, where it originated? I think you're going to tell us. I am. I have no idea. I just wanted to ask the class <laughs> first. I feel like I, I've heard this before. I'm sure I've heard this history, but I've probably forgotten it. But you're going to let me run with my story. I don't don't (laughs) actually know. So, yeah, I'm going to let you go. Okay. So kind of like what you said with the Shandy, it didn't start out super popular. Like this is just within the last couple of years that it's resurfaced and gotten very popular again. But the Espresso Martini was created by a legendary bartender named Dick Bradsell, and it was in the 1980s in a London bar. I like the name. Yes. And supposedly a super chill guy. Really nice. Um, and he, the story goes that dick a model was not a dick is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Super nice dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that actually worked really well. You set that up. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You guys, I was just trying to tell this nice story. We're going to clip that. And- <laughs> yeah. And moving on. Um, so the bartender, he had, he was working and there was a model that sat down at the bar and asked him for a drink that would wake her up. And for other editing purposes, I'm going to say mess her up. You can the, say it. I don't care. Okay. 
No, I'm trying to, you know, I'm a mother of two. <laughs> Gotta have some <laughs> some politeness here. Um, so the request, um, the challenge was accepted. And so he mixed vodka, espresso, and a light, simple syrup. And then he served it on the rocks. And from there, it was just called the Vodka Espresso. But then sometime in the 90s, it sounds like the name was shifted to Espresso Martini due to the martini craze of the 90s. Mm. It's kind of where that shifted. A lot of it was off menu. So you'd go somewhere and just ask for a Vodka Espresso. Um, But then at one point, the bartender was hired to do cocktails at a London, famous London bar called Pharmacy. And it was actually referred to as a pharmaceutical stimulant. Mm. For a while, which is kind of sketch, but that's what it was called. But in the early 2000s, um, the martini espresso shift started to come back. So according to the New York New York Times, within the first six months of 2021, it sounds like the mentions of espresso martini in the U.S. bar and restaurant reviews skyrocketed to 300% from where it was in 2019. Yep. So people were mixing that coffee and they were mixing and, that booze. And it's across that. the world now. So it's, I think that one of the top three most popular cocktails right now, margarita is still number one across the world, but I think espresso martini is in the top three at this point. It is crazy, crazy popular at this point. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't love espresso martinis. Ooh, but you have you tried the newest one we're about to release? The one with, with Parmesan. With Parmesan no, 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 no. <laughs> we call it uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Espresso Martini. So it's a honey cinnamon hmm. Espresso martini. See, I bet I would like that. And I, I also like this cold fashion. But normally I like my bourbon and I like my coffee. <laughs> and I don't want a mixed or even like alcohol in general. But Nick, I'm kind of warming up to this idea. And maybe the honey, I whatever, yeah. drunk the kid <laughs> will be good. Well, but. I like, I think they're really good. But I like when it's more of the uh, the cappuccino martini. Okay. We have like five farms in there. So we have the option on the new menu where you can order that with five farms added to it. So you've got both options. Brendan just covering everything. Yeah. I mean, I've got you. You're teased yourself, but I'm in on the rest of it. So I'm not, I'm not calling your story out, but are we really saying that nobody thought to mix vodka and coffee at all until the 1980s? I'm sure people did. Maybe so, at home. So here's why I don't think it was. <laughs> Kyle's like, nope, no, that's stupid. I mean, well, the 1980s, that's late. Like, so, that's- so think about this. So you had the cocktail. So the original cocktails go back to the mid 1800s. And then you kind of had a lot of development through the early 1900s. And then you kind of have a fall off with prohibition. And then you had during like the 50s, 60s, 70s. And there it's a lot of juice that was getting mixed. So it wasn't like. A lot of craft stuff going on. So that's when you kind of had, that's where that would make sense that that wasn't created till then because that wasn't really a thing. They weren't doing, it was like, oh, I mix orange juice with vodka. And that's all they did for a long time. I mean, there's some George that was from a different city in the 1960s that yeah. probably did this. Probably, there might I mean, have been you never know. Yeah. 1980s? Really? I mean, who knows? I'm just having a hard time. But here's the other problem. When was bourbon, like who created bourbon? No one knows. Like that's the thing. Like you can. Depends on who you ask. Yeah, it depends on who you ask, but it's the same thing. Like there's a assumed story, but there's also a million other stories out there. But making bourbon, making coffee, that's a process. That's not like just, hey, I like coffee. I like vodka. Dump them together. Eh, Need a little sweetness. Add a little sugar. Like that's what they did. 
don't know. I mean, maybe I'm with you. Yeah, I'm sure somebody thought of it before that, but you know. Sorry, I completely (laughs) took it off the rails. Kyle, (laughs) I got it from the internet. It's got to be true, so let's just go with it. I'm sure that's what is written. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, everything hits its uh, stride or its viralness at some point. So, I mean, the 80s may have been the time that it hit the mainstream. I mean, you know, Joe Billy over and whatever could have been making that Mm -hmm. since 1955. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Right. Yeah. But until the world knows about it, it's not real, right? Yeah. True. I mean, that's when vodka started to crank up. You know, Miami Vice and yeah, I know and, uh, James Bond and yeah. all the martinis and all that crap. So yeah, there you go. I get it. It's fine. I, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> but again, like you go back, even some like the Kyle's margarita, no one. I don't believe it. He's going to start throwing things. You know, violent. there's a lot of different cocktails out there that are, you know, the story, and then you could make the argument. Well, maybe someone else made that first. Like, you just never know. It's, it's so hard to tell because yeah, someone can make it offhand and just never record it. True. And so that's the thing, like, you know, we go back to the original cocktails. Jerry Thomas, who's credited with making a lot of the original cocktails, was the first person to ever write them down because no one before that, they were all guarded secrets at that time. And so mm-hmm. no, one, no one wrote them down. So there's people making them before, but he gets credited with a lot of it because he actually wrote them down. All the compliance managers of the world are happy to hear you say that. <laughs> it's not documented. It didn't happen. Right. So, that's right. You know. yeah. Very true. Well, now that that story's blown, what else do we have coffee? All right. um, At least Dick was nice. Yeah. He was so nice, yeah. Nick. Yes. Yep. You guys I mean, set me up, Patrick. <laughs> set me up. I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> Just really surprising. Strange things happen when you have a microphone in front of your face. I get it. Yep. Um, let's see what else. A little Five Farms Irish cream and coffee. Can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. I can get down with that. In the morning, that's ever. a yeah. Saturday morning staple. Absolutely. Yeah. Cold brew with Five Farms is the best. So that yeah. when uh, we are now entering chief season. Uh, today is actually opening day. The season. Very excited about it. Every single cold Chiefs game, if I'm tailgating, mm-hmm. there is no question I've got coffee, five farms, rolling. Mm-hmm. Used to always be Bloody Mary, but listen, no, that one is cold. Give me no. some coffee and five mm-hmm. farms. It's got to be warm. Delicious. Five farms goes camping with me. Oh, so mm-hmm. such a great choice. Really is. Yeah, we, we, we replaced, so we, in our cocktail menu in our cafe, we had. Bailey's and I was like, the B word when I was put in charge I was like we're changing this nice definitely so, appreciate that it's yeah it's like once you taste it you can't go the other you can't go back yeah it's, we, it's just we've too- used it you know our former drink developer was using it and it's just kind of like he didn't push the issue I think or he got kicked back from somebody sure and I was like I'm in charge we're using five farms <laughs> yeah, I like it. if I see something else I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna throw it out <laughs> wow so Nick gets it yeah I mean there, there are parallels between like coffee and the origin single origin or you have you actually mm-hmm. know the people that you know grow the coffee same thing with the five farms like they're actual people and i sound like a marketing person saying that but uh, like uh-huh. it's it, it does have a lot of parallels there yeah and i've met coffee farmers and i've been to coffee farms and it means a lot to take a coffee from somebody you've met that grew it and harvested it and roast it and put it in front of somebody and go try this awesome coffee. That connection is huge. Yeah. And that's how we feel about our five farms. It's like when you know where it comes from and people now want to know where their food, where their drinks, where all that is coming from. And yeah. so the stories, 
it just makes it that much more enjoyable when you can really connect those dots. Yeah, the process matters. And, yeah. and things that matter, the process matters just as much. So it's it's fun because there's plenty of stuff out there that whatever you're selling, it's like, oh, okay, it's just this, that, the other. But when you start to dive into, like, why why do you want five farms? And why does it look like that? And why does it cost a little more? Same as a, as a great premium coffee. Like, well, mm-hmm. here you go. And, you know, that kind of see, seeing and, and understanding the story makes you an instant believer. And once you taste it, it's game over. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that quality really mm-hmm. comes through. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, I have a couple questions for you just okay. personally. Well, I got- Before we get off coffee cocktails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to... Who here has had a cotahil? A what? I don't know what you just said. I don't. <laughs> Brent, <laughs> I, safe to say I have not. No, I'll no, say it no, much slower. Is. A cotahil. It mm. sounds amazing. Uh, it's just a, because the way you said it, but no. It's a Spanish beverage. It's got two ingredients. Um, depending on if you're a cold brew fan or an espresso fan, you use one or the other. And then have you ever heard of Cuarenta y Tres or Liquor 43? I have heard of Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Uh, yeah. Knows what I'm yeah, about. yeah, yeah. So you take that liquor. It's a Spanish liquor. It has 43 ingredients in it. Mm-hmm. And you use a one-to-one ratio of that to your coffee component. Mm-hmm. So when I make them, I usually use two ounces of each, shake it, serve it over ice. Mm. Another way you can serve it is you can like sugar the rim and toast it. So you can put a little whatever you want to use to catch on fire and toast it and then put your drink in there. Nice. Very great coffee cocktail. You will drink a lot of them if you make them at home. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. I think Daniel's talked about it before. Or you can come to our cafe in Overland Park and have one there. There you okay. go. I'm going to do that. Have some brunch. Make a road trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to become like kind of coffee bougie now. I like mean, Mr. Yeah. Coffee's out the window. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I know. I know better. And you can all get my email. So you can always ask me questions. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I've got some learning to do. I would love to Practicing. chat coffee. So. Well, speaking of drinks, I mean, you said coffee, but let's talk about drinks. What's your favorite cocktail? Um, yeah. Not even so, coffee, like anything. Yeah. Um, Probably a gin fizz. It's mm, good cocktail. Refreshing. Okay. Yeah. I don't, not a lot of places keep them on the menu. And when I ask for them from a bartender, I usually get a perplexed look mm. for a very <laughs> uh, few places here in town. I mean, I was even in Vegas at uh, the Monte Cristo Cigar Bar in Caesars. Mm-hmm. And I asked, I ordered one and they served me the wrong beverage. Mm. And I was mm-hmm. like, I literally like was like, I was like, wait, 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 what, what the hell is this? I was like, this is not what I ordered. And they're like, oh, the bartender won't, won't, won't make it the correct way. And I'm like, then I was like, they take this back and bring me a water. Oh, like, wow. It's, it's funny. Bummer. If you ask uh, Mixie Matt about those, uh, he talks about like when he used to bartend, like he would hate making those because they're so time consuming. And it's like, you have to be like slow to make them be, and that's why they don't put them on menus normally. It's yeah. just they're they're a pain. That is, I do agree. They are labor intensive, yes. but when they are made and made well, mm-hmm. they are so freaking yes. good. Yep. Good cocktail. Yeah, yeah. like in the summertime, especially. Oh yeah. yeah. Just, My, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were at a bar. My sister in law ordered one of those. She had no <laughs> idea what it was, <laughs> and I think that the bartender when she ordered uh, was like, y- y- "You sure? Like that's actually what you want?" Like. 
She's like, yeah, no, that sounds good. And, like, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, you could tell anything to get out of that, but you know. Yeah. Did she like good. it? I think so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah. They're really good. They are. Positive at least. <laughs> yeah. Don't be the person that sends it back. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, yeah nobody yeah. likes that person. Yeah. Well, uh, Nick, you're also a bourbon drinker. I am. Are you typically leaning more towards soft red wheat or Ben Holiday bourbon? That is a really tough question. It's a, it's funny because on Father's Day, I had my father-in-law and my father over, and we did kind of a vertical tasting of the Ben, the Rick House, the Red, and the Rick House of the Red. And uh, I think I like the Rick House uh, soft red the most. Um, but the, the OG is just, it's really good. And having waited so long and knowing about it a couple years in advance, like catching on that you guys were like doing that, I was like, I can't wait. Um, so you're a wheat guy. I do like the wheat. I mean, I, I think the first, and this is probably going to, I don't know, paint a new picture of me for you guys. The first bourbon that I was like, given as like a gift it had a sentimental because it was a, it was a gift it was for my 21st birthday and it was a bottle of makers and i was like i've never been gifted a bottle of bourbon before and i drank it and i was like this is really good this is really fairly easy to drink it's sweet it's, mm-hmm. it's nice but i've found myself finding seeking out those higher proof bourbons and getting more into that uh, that area so the rick house of the soft red weed is just fantastic. I think the bottle I have is like 919, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 16 Charlie 22 is fantastic. So I try not to drink too much because I don't want it to go away. <laughs> I want to have it for a while. But uh, yeah, okay. I think that's my favorite right now is the Rick House of that. And I did get a taste the uh, the shorty mm. uh, about a month ago. I think uh, it was about maybe a little longer up at the distillery. And that was pretty phenomenal as well. So I've been drinking a lot of Ben holiday stuff. I, you know, I have my other, I mean, I have my other stuff on the, the bar at home, but one thing, I don't know if you guys are, I'm sure marketing folks are aware, but I follow a lot of whiskey people mm-hmm. on social media and the bottled and bond is popping up everywhere. And I just was like, I know that. I know that. I, I live there. I live there. I live there. I live there. <laughs> I know those people. Yeah. It's like, I have six of these bottles on my shelf right now. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I do do like the Ben Holiday or the OG because it's it's hard to beat. It really, I mean, just consistent. You can do anything with it, like like this. Right. That's mm-hmm. what's in it. So, I tried it with all four of them um, at home, and the the, the OG just kind of fit the best. Mm-hmm. The Rick House versions were too powerful. They cut through the coffee, and then the softer we was honestly it was too soft. Okay. It was just covered up by everything else, and I wasn't tasting the bourbon. So. Well, I would agree because my glass is empty. So I <laughs> yep. think it, it was it's very gone. good. Yeah. 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 But for the sipping on at home with my cigar on the back porch, it's I usually am going to go for one of the Rick houses. So. Good choice. Good, good choice. Yep. I love it. There's almost no wrong choice. I think there's yeah. it's a time and a place and how hot it is and all those things. It's always that's fun. True. And on if you're mixing, if you're not, I mean, that's one of the best cocktails I've had in a very long time. I mean, that's it's an exciting new taste that... Uh, it's fun. I mean, yep. it's, you know, you say there's almost not a wrong choice. And then 
like we're drinking in the the lab together, and yeah. then I pull something, and you're like, "Oh, that's what you're going with." Yeah. Like, I mainly do that. You make it that. seem like there's a wrong choice. I like to take shots at you because you yeah, make it all, know. but yep. you know, likes to make you sweat, makes you yeah. like think that you suck at your job, makes you better that way, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, I feel the the pain on that. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, life is hard. Um, well, <laughs> guys, did I miss anything? I think it's been a lot of fun. I yeah. learned a appreciate lot. Appreciate you coming and hanging with us and making us yeah, some delicious sure. drinks. And I appreciate yeah. you having Thank me. You. This was awesome. We'll do it again um, next time. Espresso martinis. Um, mine, please hold the mozzarella, parmesan, whatever. <laughs> 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 I'll bring uh, some stuff to make some carajillos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah perfect. There we go. We'll yeah. do both of those. Okay. Well, I'm already yeah. looking forward to it. Nick, good to have you. Team. Thank you. Cheers. 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 <laughs>